Well, are you ready for the word this morning? Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Acts chapter 17, and we're going to be reading verses 16 through 30. Acts chapter 17, verses 16 down through verse number 30. Hmm. Now, while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked within him when he saw that the city was given over to idols. Therefore, he reasoned in the synagogues with the Jews and with the Gentile worshipers, and in the marketplace daily with those who happened to be there. Then certain Epicurean and Stoic philosophers encountered him, and some said, what does this babbler want to say? Others said, he seems to be a proclaimer of foreign gods, because he preached to them Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and brought him to Uh, Erechabus saying, may we know what this new doctrine is of which you speak, for you are bringing some strange things to our ears. Therefore, we want to know what these things mean. For all the Athenians and the foreigners who were there spent their time and nothing else but either to tell or to hear some new thing. Look at the neighbor and say, that's a busybody. Then Paul stood in the midst of Erechabus and said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are very religious. How many know religion don't save save nobody? For as I was passing through and considering the objects of your worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God. (laughs) Therefore, the one whom you worship without knowing Him I proclaim to you, God who made the world and everything in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he worshiped with men's hands as though he needed anything since he gives life or gives to all life, breath and all things. And he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings so that they should seek the Lord in the hope they might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live, move, and have our being. As also some of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. Therefore, since we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, something shaped by art or in man's devising. Truly, these times of ignorance God overlook, but now commands all men everywhere to repent. And I'm going to read verse 31. Because he has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has ordained. He has given assurance of this to all by raising him who is Christ from the dead. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. It's rich, it's full. Father, we're excited about what you're going to do in and through us this morning. Father, be magnified as we study. God, open our eyes, open our understanding, and give us a revelation, Lord so that we will be changed for the better. And all God's people said, amen, amen, amen. At the beginning of our service, we made reference to Christmas. It's one of my favorite times of the year. I, like you, I love the celebrating and the opening of gifts. I happen to love eggnog, and I love the Singing of Christmas carols, even though we just butchered that one. And I'm going to put that one on my wife. Hallelujah. Uh, I love all those wonderful things about Christmas. But if, unless you live on another planet, 
there is a push today to try to take Christ out of Christmas. You know, and now they got this thing now, and they talk about Merry Xmas. And if you notice now, you may say, well, Pastor, you're really being really picky. But if you really look at it from a broader context, from a broader perspective, Christ is being rejected in almost every place in our society today, albeit the school, albeit the government. You can't, you can't even mention Christ. They don't want you to talk about Jesus on the workplace. They don't want, I mean, they have, there's an all-out, uh, I believe, attack of the enemy to want to push Christ out. Now, the Bible says that you and I, that we are the light of the world, a city on a hill. That we are the one that's supposed to show forth the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. And if the people of God are not preaching Christ, how is the message coming across? How is it getting out there? Because the Bible says, how can they hear unless there's somebody preaching, somebody talking about it? And so the enemy wants to silence us. And he wants us to be quiet. He don't want us to talk about Christ. And so what they say nowadays is we don't want to say Merry Christmas. We want to say Happy Holidays. I, not too long ago, we had over at a local shopping store, and I won't give the name of the store because I don't think it would be fair, but they, they didn't want Christmas or the terminology Christmas to be used anywhere near their store. You had to say happy holidays. Now, why is that so important? In our society, in this Western culture, whereby for many, many years, we, have, we understand Christmas to be a time whereby we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. But now all of a sudden, we don't want to talk about that. That's, you know, that's, we, we need to keep that on the download. We don't need to be putting that out there because we got to be respectful of all religion. How do you know you can be respectful of all religion, but you got to preach the truth? Come on. We are never to compromise the truth under any circumstances. I can respectfully tell you that you're wrong. <laughs> I can respectfully tell you that Jesus is the only way to heaven. And I can do it with much love and with much grace. But we must take advantage of the opportunities that are afforded to us as Christians. And the unique thing about Christmas is that we have the unique opportunity because this is a time where people are more sensitive to spiritual things. You go inside the malls, they're singing Christmas carols, joy to the world. People tend to want to come to church during the, the Christmas holiday and and even though there's a push to try to push Christ out of Christmas, still the majority of people believe that Christmas is about the celebration of Christ's birth. And how I many know we have a platform? We have a platform that for us, that's a, what we call a, a gimme in the sports world. This is an opportunity for us to really stand up, rise up, and to talk about Jesus. Even though if you're one of those folks that say, well, I'm, I'm a little shy about sharing my faith, you can do it during the Christmas season. Because people are open to it and people do expect it. Now, let's, let me give you a little bit of history, just a little bit of history concerning Christmas. December 25th wasn't always considered Christmas. December 25th in many pagan cultures, back in the day, the Roman and the Greek world, they would celebrate December the 25th by worshiping a sun god. The sun god was called Mithra or Saturnalia, which they believe has some kind of redemptive quality to it. And so in this particular day, December 25th, that oftentimes what they would do is that they would have big festive activities. They would come together. They would, um, you know, they would rejoice and they would pass out gifts. And they even use the lights, the different colored lights, but they use them for a whole different purpose than what we use them for. They use the lights. They believe that they could chase away evil spirits. So this is kind of like where that the December 25th, this is the root of where it came from. So it was a, a pagan holiday. Now, back in the, up in the midway of the fourth century, the Catholic Church or the Pope, you know, because we had Christians, obviously, back in those days, 
As a Christian, they weren't going to be celebrating a pagan holiday because, you know, in pagan holidays, you know, during these holidays, you had all these people celebrating, doing all this stuff. But you as a Christian, you if you really saved, you, you could not participate, not in that. And so what the pope did was they all came together and they decided to have mass which, and to celebrate Christ's birth on that particular day. So they took that particular day that the devil meant for evil, they turned it around and said, we're going to use this platform to preach about Jesus and God's greatest gift to us. And so they started having, they had mass, and then that's when they also introduced the doctrine of transubstantiation, which basically means that the, that the wafers and the juice that they used in those days was the actual uh, uh, blood and the body of Jesus Christ, and they took communion. And even to this day, you know, in the Catholic Church, what do they do every year around Christmas Eve, Christmas? They, they, they come together and they take, they take communion because it goes way back, way back in, to this day. And so on that day, uh, December 25th, they instituted Christ Mass. That's where we get the word Christmas from. How I many of you knew that? That's where, that's where we get Christmas from. So Christmas wasn't always, well, at least December 25th wasn't a godly holiday. It's that they decided to take, now I want you to follow me, to take what was evil. And, and watch this now. They could have did this. They could have just sit back and said that we're not going to participate. We're not going to do anything. But they decided to go on the offense. And they said, you know what, we ain't going to participate in this, but here's what we're going to do. We're going to preach Christ in darkness. See, some of us, are, well, you know, and I've known, we had a brother not too long ago, many, some, probably about a couple years ago, we just started church. He came in and he said, look, I, we, I don't celebrate Christmas. And he was really, really forceful about it. Of course, and I say, well, brother, you, you're under grace, you can you can celebrate, but I, yeah, I choose to celebrate. I can celebrate Jesus' birth anytime. It can be December 25th. I can celebrate God's gift on Halloween. I can celebrate God's gift. And see, it's not, I have no limits because I have an objective. I want to preach Christ. So the Bible says that every man must be fully persuaded in his own mind. So what I choose to do is take that day, and I don't think that Jesus is sitting up there, he's mad at me saying, why are you going to celebrate my, my gift to you on, on, on that day, on a pagan holiday? Oh, I think, for me, it's about worshiping and honoring and sending out the message about the greatest gift of all. So here we is today, even this day in our American culture, you know, it's been understood in our Western culture, Christmas all over the world, Christ is celebrated, his birth. And it all came from this declaration of the Pope who decided to use that platform to preach Christ and to talk about the birth of Jesus Christ, rather than to participate in the pagan activities of that day. Now, how many know that you always have to have a purpose in what you do as a believer? I believe that God's the God of purpose. See, I don't just go out places and hang out places for no reason. Do you? Everywhere I go, I go with a purpose. I had an opportunity the other day. Last week, I was in, uh, I was in some, I'm, I'm always traveling. I was in, I believe, uh, Pensacola, Florida. Thank you very much, dear. She knows because she always tells me, where are you going now? And uh one of the people that I work with, I've been trying to witness him. I've been sharing the love of God. I preached to him all the time, talking to him. And, you know, and, and it was just he and I on this trip. And, and, uh, and he likes to go over to the sports bar thing. And you know what I did? With my holy sanctified self, I went with him over to the sports bar. We sit down and watch some TV. He drank alcohol. I didn't. But you know what I did the whole time? We, we were sitting at the bar talking about Jesus Christ. Because I use every opportunity that I got to preach Jesus. I mean, no, Jesus, that's what the Pharisee was upset about. Jesus went in place and they said, what are you doing? Why, why are you going there? Now, you don't just go out to places just to be going out there just to be having a good time. You go out there with a purpose. I don't, I don't have time to be. Listen, listen, the work, the, the time is growing short. We don't have a whole lot of time, church. I know we act like we got to. I really believe that, the, that what we see happening today in our country and in the world, the things are fastly approaching for Christ's return. And let me tell you, we need to be more than ever about our father's business. And that means that you can't be afraid. You can't be afraid of the enemy. You can't be worried about, well, if I go here, if I go there, that this is going to jump off on me. You can't be worried. You, you need to be in the spirit. Now, you got to be led by the spirit. 
Now, you got to be led by the Spirit. There's some places you just can't walk up there. You better be led. If you can go in some places, you know, like in D.C., if you can go in certain, you better know you heard from God. Because some places you just can't walk up and you better know. But how many know we can't be fearful? We got to be taking advantage of the opportunities. And during this season, Christmas season, is really for us, it's a platform, if you will. It's a platform for you and I to stand up there and to tell people about the greatest giver of all. God gave his son. And because of God's gift, you and I have life. And we have life eternal. Life, we have eternal life. And you have the opportunity around this time of year to talk about it. To bring people to church. You know, it's Christmas. Come to church. How I many know people are much more receptive about coming to church during Christmas time? Christmas and Easter, right? What do they want to do? They want to come to church. And what do we do? Are you are, are as aggressive in saying, look, let, let, let me explain to you. Let me talk to you. What about those friends on the job? What about those people that you know? What about those neighbors that you live down the street with that you don't even know their names? If you're the light of the world, then how many know that we need to do some things on purpose? Sometimes you just can't wait for people to come to you. You got to go where they are. The more I live my Christian life, the more I realize that I need to get out of my comfort zones. And I need to go to where they are because the apostles... And Jesus, they spent very little time just sitting in the, they were, up in, they were up in the upper room for a little while, right? But what happened when they got baptized in the Holy Spirit? They left. <laughs> and they went everywhere preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And the kingdom of God was expanded. Now look at Acts chapter 17. And we just finished reading this particular verse, passage of scripture. Now watch. The apostle Paul, I love this scripture. It's just, it's very, very powerful. But the Apostle Paul, he is in a, a heathen place, if you will. And Paul gets provoked in his spirit. How many of you have been provoked by some of the unrighteousness that you see in the culture? I mean, if you're, really, if you, if, you know, when you're walking with God, there's just some things that bother you. I mean, that's why I can't, some, I can't watch a lot of TV because it's five minutes and I'm upset. Because I'm zealous for what's right. I can't watch nothing much but ESPN. Because everything, I mean, because every message out there, I'm telling you, this society is constantly provoking you, provoking you, provoking you. They are now calling what's evil right. And so people are cloudy in their judgment. They can't even discern what's right and what's wrong anymore. And then so-called folks who say that they are preachers of the kingdom, they won't even tell people that they're in sin because they're scared because I don't want to offend anybody. I don't want to offend people. And so we, we, we just allow people to think that it's okay and, and, and God don't mind and, 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 and we don't talk about what's really the truth. Jesus, I'm the way and the truth and the light. We are never to compromise the truth under no circumstances. Paul was provoked. Now, Paul had a choice. Paul could have got provoked, and he could have saw that wickedness in his society, and he could have said, you know what? These unrighteous people, I ain't going to hang around. I'm leaving. I'm out of here. I'm going. In fact, I'm going to move somewhere else. I'm going to move on a different block because there's too much evil around here. There's too much darkness around. I'm not going to hang around here. Paul didn't say that. No, Paul was provoked in his spirit, but he was provoked to preach light into darkness. How many know the word of God is powerful? It's your weapon. You ought to be able to go into any situation, and you ought to, that's why we tell all the time, read your Bible. Well, you're just trying to be legalistic. No, I'm not. You can, you listen, you don't have to read your Bible every day. Go ahead. You don't have to hardly read your Bible ever at all, but I guarantee you, a person who ain't in the word, they got no strength. Not really. You have no strength if you're not in their word on a regular basis. The devil is hitting you all upside the head and you're always reacting instead of being on the offense because you don't know the word. And so watch this. So, so Paul gets provoked in his spirit, but he did not disconnect. He didn't say I was going to leave. He, he, he didn't say. Paul said, you know what? I, I, I have an opportunity. I have an opportunity. We're talking about this morning keeping Christ in Christmas, just so you know. 
So, so Paul has here an opportunity, right? He could have said, I'm not going to do this. I'm going to get so mad because some of us, we know we're so holy, we're so righteous that we just can't go in certain places. We can't be. We, we just got to leave. I can remember there was a time, and I'm, I'm ashamed to say this, my own family reunion and my wife, and she got on me. And I wouldn't go. They, 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 they wanted me to go. I ain't going there. Why you ain't going there? Because a bunch of heathens. They drank. They party. I don't want to have nothing to do with it. But I want to go to the mission field, though. <laughs> Somebody following me this morning, right? But it's amazing. I want to go on the mission field. I want to go on the mission field. But we won't even go knock on our next door neighbor door. We won't talk to the folks that in the There's a lot of missionary work that need to be done right here. I believe after a while, they're going to start coming over here. So, I said with my holy, sanctified self, loving Jesus, reading the word every day, I ain't going. Until one day the Holy Spirit convicted me. And I said, you know what? I talked to my <clears throat> talked to the lady who was my aunt. I told her, I said, look, I said, I, I want to I come because they kept asking me to come. I said, I tell you what, I want to come. But do you mind if I do a little devotional? Oh, no, we want you to, we want you to do spirit. I said, why? Okay. So I get to the family union. Now, the DJ's still back there. Watch this now. The DJ's still back there. All right. They got his hat turned this way. They're already ready to party, whatever you call that. They're ready to do all that. But I'm older. I got my Bible and I have everybody sit down and I begin to preach the gospel to them. And you know what? And my aunt said, nobody move. Some of them, boy, they were squirming in their seats. Some of them were squirming. But you know what? I had a platform because I was willing to go over there. Not because I want to hang out and get drunk in the party, but because I love those people so much that I want them to know the Jesus that I know. So it was my platform. It was my opportunity. And then I got courageous. I really got sanctified. I really got bold because then I told my wife on the other side of my family, I said, look, we haven't had a family reunion in X number of years. I'm going to have one myself. And I got together a committee, a committee and we sit down and we determine what kind of music it was. We said, ain't going to be no drinking. Ain't going to be no smoking. Some folk got mad. Some still walked around. They did that stuff. But watch. We set up a Christian environment. We said, if you're going to drink, all we ask is that you leave the premise and go somewhere so you won't do it in front of the kids. And, and, and I'll never forget it. The preacher, a preacher who was a local preacher in the area, he came and because, and, uh, you know, on, you, know you go to family reunion on Sunday, all the family go to church. And the preacher stopped by. And he, was, he said, he said, let me, he said, y'all, they, they, he said, they read the Bible at the family reunion. And then he kept saying it. They read the Bible at the family reunion. And so what I begin to understand is that God give us platforms all the time. But see, you got to be fortified in your spirit enough. You got to be connected with God enough to take advantage of the opportunity. Now, if you got some other agenda, then, then it won't really matter. But, but, but my whole thing is I'm going into these places and I'm going to use the platform that God has given me in order to preach the gospel. And they were much more receptive to the message. So whenever anything had to do with praying, preaching, guess who they're calling on? Me. And before I knew it, I'm sitting on the side, I'm talking to me of my family members that I want saved. How many of you got family members that you want saved? See, that's a word for somebody this morning, because some of you, you don't want to have nothing to do with your family. Because you know why? Let's be honest. Because you see, because you're holy. You used to do that. And my question to you is, what are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? The Bible says the wicked man flees when no man pursues, but the righteous a bold as a lion. What are you afraid of? Why can't you go into those places? Why can't you preach to those people? I mean, you know Jesus after all, right? Why can't you do it? What's the problem? Well, they're not going to listen. It's not your responsibility to make them listen. Your responsibility is to preach. You may not preach like me. In fact, you may do it better than me, but you figure out a way, watch this, to give the gospel message. You figure out a way. I don't care how you have to do it. 
But you figure out a way. You say, I'm going to this place, but God, in the name of Jesus, I'm praying in the spirit. I'm believing that when I go here, that the environment is going to change because of my presence. But I love it. I, and I'm not, I'm not prideful, but let me tell you something. I love it when I show up, when I come up in places and I show up, people just, they start, oh, excuse me. They, they, they say curse word. They say, oh, excuse me. I'm sorry. Sorry about that. I didn't mean to do that. Boy, I, I love that. And it has nothing to do with me. It has to do with the spirit of God that is in me. Because I believe that where I go, then, you know, I'm going to change the environment. The environment is not going to change me. But if you're full of the world and the environment, then you know what's going to happen, right? So then, so then I, go, I, I go into places I'm not fearful because I'm confident in him. I know who I am. But see, you've got to know who you are. So Paul, Paul used his platform. But if you look at verse number 19, watch this. In, in Acts chapter 17, look at this. And they took him and brought him to Arapagus, saying, may we know what this new doctrine is of which you speak. Uh-oh, you done made a mistake now. So now they're requiring, they're asking Paul, can you do us a favor and tell us about this gospel? Because you, we've been hearing, Paul, that you've been preaching some kind of crazy doctrine. Now, can you do us a favor, Paul, and tell us about this strange doctrine that you're preaching? And you know what Paul said? Paul said, you can almost see him licking at the chops. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, this is my opportunity. This is my platform. This is my moment. See, God gives you moments. Some of us think our moments got to be behind a pulpit. But like an old preacher once told me, that your pulpit is at the ear of every unbeliever. That's your pulpit. That's your pulpit. You know, it don't have to be necessarily behind here. And, and, and the, the, the Apostle Paul, he went on and he first, he starts saying, and he called them out. He said, I've been looking around here and y'all, y'all are very religious. He said, y'all got some strange gods that you all are worshiping out here. Now, let me know that Paul didn't sugarcoat the truth, right? Paul actually told them what the problem was. He told them what the issue was. He stood in the midst of them. He said, I perceive that in all things you are very religious, for I was passing through and considering the objects of your worship and even found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God. Now, now Paul took the platform, the opportunity. He said, now, now that, that tells me that that brother was in the spirit because he sees some inscription written down to the unknown God. You know, what he's thinking, well, let me let me explain who that unknown God is. And Paul began to preach. I mean, and, and, and that's, if you read those verses there, I mean, very, very powerful. He began to preach to them about Jesus Christ. And guess what? They were all sitting there listening. Because sometimes, listen, all people need is just one word from God. Sometimes all they need to do is be in the earshot of the word and that'll change their life forever. I mean, one word can just happen. God can all of a sudden, I mean, how many of you would testify that God changed your life with just one word? I mean, just something that was said, something that was done, and you're like, oh, that, 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 that was, that was it. That, 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 that was it. But, but how can they hear unless somebody's preaching? How can they hear during this Christmas season if all we're concerned about is running up our debt and getting over in our credit cards? And trying to get a gift for the kids, which is fine. We ain't knocking that. But what we're saying is, if Christmas is about Christ, then who ought to be leading the way on that? Explaining to the world who this Christ is. But I'm afraid that sometime in this commercialized society, we get so hung up and we start running to, we running, and we don't even take the time, you know, to just say, wait a minute, wait, wait a minute. You know, you go into the store, you, you, just do me a favor. This Christmas season, as you go shopping, because I know y'all going shopping. Look at the people's faces when you walk through the mall. Just look at them. They're lost. They're mad. They're frustrated. They're standing in those long lines because they're spending money they probably can't afford. And, they're t- and they're, they've been standing up on their feet all day long. And you're walking around with this treasure in earthen vessels. You got all this treasure. You got, I mean, you saved, sanctified. God has saved you. You have a platform because they're doing all this in the name of Christmas. How many are you going to go home? You're going to knock on your neighbor's door. Ah, hallelujah. <laughs> so Paul preached, 
Christ. And watch this. It also says in verse 28, look at verse 28. It says, for, he says, for in him we live, move, and have our being, as also some of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. Now, look, listen to this. I want you to hear this. Paul not only preached and used the platform that was given him to preach Christ, but he quoted their own poets. You know, I want to tell you about Jesus Christ, but even Dr. Field says. Now, you laugh at that, but what am I doing? I'm using what they're familiar with to preach an eternal truth to them. Because how many know the truth is truth, no matter what? Truth is truth. Now, you know, you got to be careful, obviously, who you listen to. But the point being, Paul said, listen, even some of your own poets... That means that Paul knew what the culture was like. You can say to the young people who are in the world, even 50 Cent says, even Snoop Dogg says. Some of you are like, oh, pastor, look, look, don't try to act like you don't know what I'm talking about. Paul said, Paul said, look, I'm going to use, I'm going to use this culture, the, the, the stuff in this world that they can identify with, because Paul says, let me put it this way. Paul says, I become all things to all people that I might win some. You can't win everybody. But Paul had an objective. Paul had an objective that, that, that I'm going to use the culture and your traditions to preach life and truth to it so that you will come out of that lifestyle. But in order for that to happen, we must be people that can't be too holy that we're, we're so heavenly minded that we're no earthly good. Let that sink in for a minute. You know what I'm talking about. How many, okay, let me put it this way, because maybe you can get it, because I know y'all are holy, y'all love the word. How many know Moses went up on the mountaintop? How many, how, how many days was he up on that mountain in the presence of God, getting those Ten Commandments? How many days? Anybody want to try it? About 40 days, right? Moses up there. But, you know, and I would imagine that Moses was up there in the presence of God, and he was loving being in the presence of God. How many of you just love being in the presence of God all by yourself? I just love the Lord. I pray. Oh, gee, hallelujah. I praise him. We love being in the presence of God. And we get this mountaintop experience that God give us all this revelation. And you, you in your room, you're reading the word, and you're jumping up and down. You're like, oh, God just gave me a new revelation. Hallelujah. Praise God. But do you not know that at some point, Moses had to get up off that mountain. And what God had given Moses was meant for him to take down to the valley where those evil, wicked people were that were partying, getting drunk and acting crazy. God says, look, Moses, I know you like being in my presence, but you need to leave because those people down there, they have corrupted themselves. It's time for you to get up and go. So God gives you these mountaintop experiences and God gives you all this revelation that, you know, I believe Christians say all the time, I need more word. We don't need more word. We need to live more word. We need to preach more word. I mean, we are so spiritual, we're fat with the word. We're just, oh. We're so fat with the word that we just spit it out. You know, our baby, you know, little baby feed it too much and just start. Like, okay, I guess they're full. I believe many Christians are like that in the spirit. We got more word than we need. We just need to now go out and exercise the word. So that we can so we can so we can receive more. God is not going to give you more until you start with where you are. Are, are you with me? You, you can't get more revelation from God until you start where you are with obeying what he tells you to do today. Well, why come brother so-and-so got that revelation? I didn't. Well, are you applying what you heard? Because you'll stay stuck right there until you make a commitment. Got that. I'm going to do that. Bam, then God will move you to the next level. God is a God of levels. That's how he operates. And so God gives us these multi, mountaintop experiences so that we can go down into the valley. And look at 1 Corinthians chapter number 5, if you will. How do we effectively spread the message of Christmas? 1 Corinthians chapter number 5. Now, some of you, you will read this and you'd be like, Wow. I didn't know that was there. Some of you, you'd be like, yeah, I knew that was there, but it was just, just a little reminder for you. Look at verse number nine in 1 Corinthians chapter number five, verse number nine. <clears throat> if you're there, you can say something like, I love Jesus or something like that. 
He said in verse number nine, watch this, in 1 Corinthians chapter five. This is, a Paul, this is the Apostle Paul talking to the Corinthians. Watch what he says. I love the Bible because the Bible, the word just speak for itself. Paul says, now, I wrote to you in my epistle not to keep company with sexual immoral people. Now, if you stop right there, you know, you'd be like, it'd be like, okay, I told you the Bible said if you're sexually immoral, not to even keep company with you. You know, sometimes in the word of God, how sometimes we'd like to take the script out of context. You know, people like that, they find different things in the word and they, they hang on that, but they forget the rest of it. Oh, watch this. But then Paul does a quick, he just, it's almost like he's following the, the, the chain of thought of what people are going to think. He says, now, yet I certainly did not mean with the sexually immoral people of this world. He's talking about unbelievers. Or with the covetous or extortionists or idolaters, since then you would need to go out of the world. What he's saying, what is he saying? There? He's saying, look, I told you not to, not, not to hang out with sexual immoral, but he wasn't talking about uh, unbelievers. He was talking about those who call themselves believers. Those who are supposed to know the truth and ain't walking according to it. He said, don't even eat with them who are walking in rebellion according to my word. But he said, not though with the sexually immoral of, of, of this world. He said, because, watch this, you would then need to leave the world. See, we're talking about your platform and using the opportunity that God has given you. He said, because then you would need to go out of the world. But he said, but look at verse number 11. But now I have written to you not to keep company with anyone named a brother, mm -hmm. a Christian who is sexually immoral or covetous or an idolater or a reviler or a drunkard or an extortioner, not even to eat with such a person. <sighs> wow. So he's, he's encouraging us to keep company with the folks that ain't walking right. Isn't that deep? Now, how many of you can honestly say this morning, you don't have to show you, don't have to say that, you don't have to look funny, just look straight ahead. How many of you can honestly say that you, you, like, you keep company with people that are not like you in an effort to win them to God? How many of you can say that? You know, you know, because if you grew up in my environment, my environment, I grew up the way it was, is you, didn't, you don't talk, you don't go there, you don't even, you, you know, and, and my, my uncle who is a preacher and uh, and, and I think he's different today, but all of my, 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 uh, my, my father, his sister, and brother, none of them liked him. And I, used to, I grew up thinking, why don't he's a preacher? He's a man of God. How come they don't like the man of God? And so at first I said, well, maybe because they're living wrong. I'm sure that probably has something to do with it. But you know, as I got older, you know what I realized? That he didn't associate with none of them. There was his sisters and his brothers. They're my first cousins. I hardly know them. Because, and it's, now he's changed. Now he comes to family reunions, he have dinner. But when I was coming up, he wouldn't even show up. You know why? Because part of that culture was, you're, you're, you're unrighteous, you know, you're, you're, you're this and you're that. I can't be hanging out with you. How are people going to come to the light if we just get into our little holy huddle and keep to ourselves? How, how is the message of Christmas going to get out if, if, if we don't figure out a way to engage the culture. Jesus offended a lot of people, but who did he offend? It was those who read the Bible, those who knew the scriptures. Jesus, I, I didn't come to call the righteous. I come to call sinners. That's, that's why I came. And, 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 and so Jesus was saying, look, my platform is they will hear me. So, you know, what Jesus' platform was a boat in the middle of the water. How is that for good preaching? He just sit in the boat and he stand and he preach to the people that were in the streets. And you know what? People start coming. They start hearing. You know why? Because he had a platform and he says, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to use that platform to spread the good news of the gospel and see the hearts of men be changed. So, we're winding down, so I'm going to give you some practical ways to keep Christ in Christmas. Number one is you got to get rid of your religion. <laughs> now, just in case anybody misunderstand me, you know, we're not talking about participating in sin, right? Y'all understand that. We're not talking about anything like that. But if we're going to keep Christ in Christmas, then we need to let 
people know who Christ really is. You know, there are a lot of people that celebrate Christmas, but depending on who you talk to, they have no clue what Christmas really is all about other than getting kids toys and putting up Christmas trees and putting up lights and all of that. But practical ways to keep Christ in the Christmas. Send cars to your family and friends with the message of Jesus attached. <laughs> you know, don't just send out cars with reindeer and, and, and St. Nick. And, you know, listen, I'm not, some of you say, well, Pastor, I'm not saying I have a problem with that. But if you are a believer and you want to keep Christ in Christmas, then listen, how much do Christmas cards cost? Go get out of Christmas, because people, you know, people collect Christmas cards and they put them up in their house. And you can send a card because people will take your card and they're going to read your card. What better way for you to give them a message? Joy to the world. The Lord has come. He's following me. So you're keeping Christ in Christmas. So what am I going to do? I'm going to use this as my platform. So I'm going to send all my friends a message, but I'm not going to send them a message about reindeers and all that. We're going to talk about Christ. Because it's about the celebration of the birth of Christ. Number two, consider, watch this. Or number three, consider a nativity scene. Now, I got a neighbor who was laughing this morning. His brother got a merry-go-round in his front yard with lights. He got a helicopter. He got a snowman. He got a choo-choo train. Uh, and it's all lit up. So, so people drive by, woo, the kid's like, wow, look at that. But not that I'm knocking that, but if, if we're going to, use the platform that God has given us, then why don't you take it and use something to project the message of Christ? Amen. And put up something that's going to send a message about God's gift to man because we want, see, this is the platform. See, we, got, we always talk about we, God give us so many opportunities, but we don't look at it that way. You know, Christmas is a great evangelistic opportunity, and we should be taking full advantage of that. So consider that. Put up, you know, put up, don't just listen. You know, I know you like to put your lights on the trees and all that, and that's fine and dandy. But people should drive by your house and say something about, that's, that's Christ, something about Jesus. Paul says, Paul says this way. He, say, he says, I do all things for the sake of the gospel. Paul said, everything I do, I'm thinking about the kingdom. I'm thinking about God. So, so I'm going to use my life. I'm going to use the resources that God gave me somehow to communicate to people that you need to know this Jesus that I know. Because he has power to restore life and hope. And I'm going to use my opportunity. The next one, watch this. This is a big one. Practice forgiveness with one another and with other people. With one another meaning believers. But, you know, in the spirit of Jesus, let's just say that you got a problem with somebody, a family member, that maybe there was a clash of some kind and you never made it right. The two of you never made it right. Then in the spirit of Christmas, why don't drop them a little card or something and say, look, if I offended you, um, can you please forgive me? I want to make our relationship right. Maybe you didn't do anything wrong. Maybe just something that's wrong. Well, you know, I just want you to know that Jesus loves you, and, and so do I. And, and if you got a brother or sister that you got a problem with, go to them and say, I forgive you. How many know you can't forgive nobody out there until we start right here? If we can't do that amongst ourselves as Christians, how can we be effective witnesses for Christ? We can, the, the, the central core of the gospel message is about forgiveness and reconciliation. He says he has given us the ministry of what? Reconciliation. So if there's somebody that you're having problems with and you, you're mad about, you're mad at them, maybe there's a root of bitterness that come up in you, and, every, and you'll know it because every time you see that person, it's like, ugh, I don't want to have nothing to do with it. Maybe that's the time for you to say, you know what? Uh, Merry Christmas. I want you to know that God loves you. I love you. And I want to make this right because I, I want to be free. I don't want to walk around with nothing because you're doing it in the spirit of what? Christmas. And it's kind of hard for somebody to receive your Christian message when they know how you act toward them when you see them. 
Let every man, a woman that names the name of Christ, depart from iniquity. I go to church every Sunday, I love the Lord, but you treat people like a dog. How many know there's a contradiction? They're not going to, they're going to look at you and say, what kind of Jesus are you? I don't want nothing to do with that. So we need to be people that, first of all, we need to be people of integrity. That we need to live out what we say. We need to say what we mean. And we need to act like Christians. And that means really dying to ourselves. Really putting down our own feelings. How many know that self-denial means just that? You know, you don't have a right to hold a grudge against anybody. Well, you don't understand my situation. You know, we always feel like our situation was the pinnacle, the worst. You know, no matter how bad you've been treated or somebody treated you, there's always somebody that's had it worse. Always. Another way to keep Christ in Christmas is, watch this. Now, we don't have to share this as much with you guys, but we'll just say it anyway. Make sure that you attend service and worship service and Christmas Eve service. In fact, go to church every Sunday. <laughs> Unless, you know, you're not coming to church to be more of a, uh, of a what do you call it? Um, just the word I want to use. It's not the norm. When you don't show up, it's like, oh, what brothers? They, they never show. They never miss. And particularly during Christmas season. Because we want people to know that this is about Christ. And on Christmas Eve, when everybody's cooking their ham, that you're going to take an hour. Because we used to only keep you here an hour, right? The time we've had it. And I say, when I say an hour, I mean an hour. And y'all have a right to just say, well, look, you said and you lied. We're telling you, we don't keep you here another an hour. Now, if I ask you for permission and you say yes, it's on you. But no, I'm kidding. No, but we say an hour because we understand we want you to spend time with your family. But by coming out to church, we do communion. We have a, a quick exhortation. We sing a couple of Christmas carol. We have a little eggnog and cookies. We love each other. We pass out a couple of gifts we want to share with each other, and we say go home. Now, would that say to the world, like, because many of us will have family, you know, and I never understood this. People have family come in town, and I never understood. They said, well, I'm not going to, I'm not going to church there because I got family come in town. I'm like, what? I never understood that. I'm like, you say you're a believer, and you got bring your family to church. If you come to my house on Sunday, you, you can stay if you want to. I ain't going to boot you out, but me and my house, we serve the Lord on Sunday. This is what we do. And he's the most important thing. We want you to know that on Sunday morning, we go to the house of God. We ain't staying home on Sunday morning to cook you some egg and bacon. So we tell people all the time, and they say, well, I'll be over there on Sunday. Okay, well, what time are you coming? I'm coming, I'll be there at 8. Well, we going to church. Bring some church clothes with you. And some of them, you know, some of them don't even come. They'll wait till after church now. That's like they, they think they're slick. They'll, kind of, they'll come after. They know when they know that we get back from church. But what, what message am I, are we sending to them? The church, and, to our, and more importantly, to our kids, to our children. The church is important. Christ is our life. It's everything to us. I can't understand why people still debate whether or not they're going to go to church on Sunday. You're a Christian. Why are you debating? What are you debating for? You said you gave your life to this thing. You gave, this is your life. You said you love Jesus. You said this is your life, and you're debating whether or not to come to his place and worship him? I don't understand that kind of Christianity. So we want to, because see, we got to understand that we're sending a message, and people are watching your life. They're watching you. Even when you don't think they're watching you, they're looking at you, buddy. They're watching you because you say you're a Christian. They want to see how you act. And sometimes they'll do stuff to see if you're going to act out in the flesh just to see if you're really who you say you are. And so we send a message. Hey, this is how it is. All my neighbors know. If you go on my street, and I walk me, anybody do it, say, hey, do you know anything about the Baileys? Yeah, I bet they tell you. They love to go to church. They, they're Christian. They love the Lord. We go, we go knock on the door. Look, and uh, my kids don't want to do it, but I told them we're going to do this. And, uh, you know, my, my boy, he's 18, so he, he thinks he's a man now, so he don't have to listen to me, but... So we'll, we go knock on doors and sing by the family. We're going to hold hands and we're going to sing some Christmas carols. Take some cookies and some milk. Say we love you. Jesus' name. What are we doing? All we're doing is very simple. 
I'm like Joshua. That's me and my house. We're going to serve the Lord. That's the way it is. I tell my kids, the older ones, I said, you can stay here as long as you like, within reason. But as long as you're here, we're going to serve the Lord in this house. This is the way it's going to be. You don't have to follow. You, you, know, you, can, you, have to, you, know, you can still have your heart issues. But for, for the way we do things here, we're going to serve the Lord. And, boy, that brings conflict sometimes. Let me know that. It brings conflict, especially when you're dealing with teenagers. It brings conflict. But this is the way we do it in our house. And because I believe at some point that the word of God will not return void. You plant that thing, it's going to bring forth the kind of fruit that it's supposed to bring. Then lastly, here's a little thing that we do and you can do it. And this is not legalism. This is not law. Just just a suggestion. But what we normally do every Christmas, my kids will tell you, that we normally, uh, most people open their gifts on Christmas Day, like what, 7 or 8 o'clock in the morning? Uh, what time do we usually open our gifts? Sometimes 10, sometimes 11, sometimes 1. Because they get up. Now, now, mind you, they are up. I will give you that. I'm not going to. They're up early. They get up like 6, and they're like looking at the tree. They're staring at it, and they're shaking the gifts, and they're looking. But they know not to open the gifts. We're not going to open any gifts until we first get together and have family devotion, and we're going to talk about Jesus first. We do it every year. They know. So they, they have never just gotten up and just bum rushed the presence. We don't do that because we're sending a message and we want them to pass it on to generate. You know, there's a little thing to every one of us as a family, as a father, as a parent. We should be wanting to set certain legacies for our kids. I want to leave them a godly legacy. I want them to know, we, you know, that these gifts that is really symbolic of the one who gave us the greatest gift. So we sit down and we open up the Bible and we read the Christmas story and then we go around the room. Everybody got to talk. What does it mean to you? What did that speak to you? Boy, and they start talking. You know why? Because they want to hurry up and get to those gifts. And so I said, now, if you're not listening, because I'm going to ask you a question. Am I right, baby? And we're going to ask you a question. If you don't get it, then we're going to hold off. So you got to be, so they can't just sit there and say, we're going to stomach this. No, no, we sit down and boy, they all get the book. And even my little girl, she couldn't even read at the time. She she sit there, open the book up. And she listening. I said, what'd you learn? And they start talking. I got their undivided attention because on the other side of it, they see gifts. And the only way I can get there, I got to cross this bridge. I got to get this. So, and all, we, and all we're doing is we're sending a message that this is, about, this is about Jesus. This is about Jesus, and this is our platform. So have a Merry Christmas. Have a great time. But remember, don't get so caught up in it that you miss the point. Take this Christmas and say, you know what? I'm going to really use this platform to preach and to be a witness for Jesus like never before. I just gave you some practical things. You, God may give you some other things. I, I don't know. But you have a platform. Christmas is nothing but a platform. Use it. Don't let this opportunity pass by. Bring your family members, your friends to church on Christmas. Because they're probably they're going to be looking for a church around this, this holiday season. They're going to be looking. And if they don't go to church, find the neighbors who don't go to church. Say, will you please come to church with me? Come on out to church and, and hear the word of the Lord. Because you never know that one word may save their life. Amen. Every head is by your eyes closed.